I am delighted that the people with us will, um, are here today. Um, I'm happy to see Bridges people with us today. I'm really happy to see an old friend from, from Somerset College, a former student teacher. Robin is with us. So uh, hello to everybody. Thank you for being here. We have two goals for today. First of all, we will talk about uh, a strategy for teaching decoding that is fast and fun. And we'll talk about why it works, how it works, etc. Our second goal will be to cover just a few of the signs that are part of the strategy. We cannot and we won't try to cover all the signs. When I conduct an all-day workshop, I cover the 44 signs and we talk about the nuances of teaching reading as we cover the signs. But for today, we will cover a few uh, that will uh, give us an idea as to what the strategy is all about. I do want to begin by taking about two minutes to tell how this strategy came about. Almost 20 years ago, when I was teaching in the public schools, I was um, work, I, I took lessons in American Sign Language, and I taught the sign language to some of my students and discovered that they loved, loved, loved learning to talk in sign language. Then I moved to a university and worked with some student teachers who were very concerned about particular students who were struggling to learn to read but were having some difficulties. And the thought occurred to me that if perhaps I could develop a system of signs that resembled the shapes and the sound of the letters they represented, then maybe the students would, first of all, enjoy the process, and secondly, uh, remember the sound associated with the letter. Some of my student teachers would say, I taught the sound of the letter T yesterday, and today they could not remember the sound that it represented. So my goal was to uh, develop a sign that would spark the association between the letter and the sound that it represented. Um, Ruby Payne and I connected, and she invited me to join her, which I did, and I have been with her ever since, going on 20 years, and, and it's been an amazing experience for me. The uh, first key point is that this strategy is a mental model. Mental models are a really critical part of Dr. Payne's work. A mental model builds a bridge between abstract concepts and the concrete reality that they represent. What I learned after developing the strategy was that it worked with all students, but particularly for some of the students who uh, had struggled before, particularly for those who were from poverty. And what we know from Dr. Payne's work is that um, poverty is often a very concrete world. And if I live 24-7 in a concrete world, then I might have less experience and more difficulty relating to abstract concepts. And the little squiggles, those letters that we write on the board for teaching people how to read are extremely abstract. So the signs build a bridge between the concept and the concrete reality. The strategy works because it is a mental model. Before joining Dr. Payne, I knew it worked but I did not fully understand why. 
now that I better understand mental models, I better understand why the strategy does work. Again, it works with all students, but particularly students from poverty. Um, I have literally used the strategy with students ages 2 through 82. In fact, the first child with whom I field tested the strategy was my little three-year-old niece. I asked her if she wanted to learn to read. The first day she said, hmm, not today. But later that week she was ready to learn to read. So I began to tutor Kayla. And I tutored Kayla in the same room where my mom was. Mom at the time was 73 and mom never went to school and couldn't read. So she couldn't read well. So she observed me tutoring Kayla and learn to read. In fact, uh, after a, a few sessions, she was able to read the newspaper headline. And uh, for, I asked her what she wanted for her birthday. And she said she would not mind having a computer so that she could surf the net. So I literally taught individuals ages 3 through um, 80 or 73 at the same time. So it works with most anyone of any age. We'll start with an example. In front of us, we see the letter E, and we do continue to teach students the letter names, even though the strategy is designed to teach the associated sound. This was one of the first signs that I developed, and as I developed the signs, I actually worked with student teachers, thank you, Robin, and with uh, children. And children would help me to decide how to create or how to make the signs. One of the first signs that we developed was the sign for the letter E. And as you can see, if we curl the fingers of our left hand, the letter E magically appears, as you can see in the illustration. Now, my sign for long E, I know that you can't see me stretch my arm out, but when I sign long E, I stretch my arm out nice and long and say E. Later, I teach young children that the sign for short E is made with a short arm. Eh! And children think that's funny. And I'm saying children, um, but again, this can be used with adults as well. Learners think it's really funny to sign E, eh, E, eh. And this is why we say that this strategy makes learning to read fast and fun. This is one key characteristic of mental models, by the way. Mental models enable us to teach more information in less time by building that bridge between the abstract and the concrete. As you can see, my little niece here, uh, stretching her arm out. And as she stretches her arm, she would make the E sound. When we have individuals uh, look at the letter, feel the shape of the letter, and hear themselves making the sound, then this strategy is automatically multimodal. We don't have to worry about which students are visual learners, which are auditory learners, which are kinesthetic tactile learners, because we're doing all three at one time. They see it, they hear it, and they feel it. Okay. Uh, again, we, we have reading by age five because um, when we present this information to preschool teachers, we sometimes call it reading by age five. When we present it to kindergarten and up, it's Tucker signing strategies. They're one and the same. 
Uh, they build a bridge between abstract letters and the sounds they represent. Now, if you were my kindergartners, I would teach you several letters in one setting. And this is why uh, we say this is fast. We don't have to spend a week or even a whole day on just one letter. Here's the letter M. Again, we are learning the name and the sound at the same time. As you can see on Kayla's hand, we see the letter M, and then she puts the M to her lips and makes the M sound. Mm. At a glance, it looks like she's turning the M upside down, but in reality, that is not what happens. So we don't have to worry about, gee, uh, will they, they be able, will they worry about this being an upside down M or a W? They simply turn it to their lips. Mm. So we have now learned two signs and students of any age can learn two signs in a matter of minutes. At this point, if you were my students, I would say let's review the signs that we have learned. We know the sign for the letter M, mm. We know the sign for long E, E. Then I would say let's blend these two signs together and when we do we will be reading a word. And I would instruct the students to read me. And pretty soon, even two or three-year-olds can say, we just read the word me. Some take longer. I had one child read me, and I asked, what's that word? And she said, dog. Some just take a little more practice, and that's okay. We just sign over and over and over until they catch on. And once they catch on, then they move very, very quickly. Um, another sign is for the letter W. We can see the W on the hand and the sign is made by putting the W to the throat and signing O. We have already learned the sign for E, so we would blend these two signs together and read the word we. That's how the strategy works. Before joining AHA Process, when I was teaching at Avery University, I received grant money, which enabled me to go from classroom to classroom and um, teach the signs to kindergartners. I was in each classroom for 15 minutes. During the 15-minute session, we covered uh, five, six, seven, eight signs, and the teachers never felt that we were moving too fast they never felt that uh, the strategy was different from what they were covering in the classroom and created confusion. What happened was we had signing time, 15 minutes once a week, and then they taught reading the way they had taught it in the past. But what they did say was that as they continued to teach reading, they suddenly realized they didn't need as much time. They needed only a fraction of the time that they had uh, typically taken to cover each sign. I, I will pause here to say that um, occasionally someone will ask about how this is the same as or different from American Sign Language. All of the Tucker Signing Strategy signs are different from American Sign Language. All of the Tucker Signing Strategy signs are made with the left hand. And this is uh, for one simple reason. As I developed the signs, I suddenly realized that I could create the shapes, the letter E, for example, with the left hand, the letter P, 
with the left hand. I could create every shape with my left hand, but obviously if I create those same shapes with my right hand, some of them are backward. I thought this would create a problem, but I realized that I, I had to make a decision and move on, so I decided we'll just uh, make the shapes with the left hand and hopefully uh, young readers would be able to deal with it. What I discovered was that signing with the left hand is not a critical issue at all. We often put little hair ties or crunches on the left hand and teachers are saying there's an added benefit because students are actually learning the right from the left. An amusing story several years ago, a brain researcher from California called and said that they were forcing stroke victims to use their left hand during their recoveries. And when they did, they covered, recovered from their strokes more quickly because uh, they were crossing hemispheres and building synapses. And she said, I read about your reading strategy and I see that you're having students to use their left hand to learn to read. And she said, when they do this, they are building brain synapses and crossing hemispheres. And she, she asked, how did you know to do this? And of course, I just, <laughs> I just said, well, I just knew. I didn't say, well, it's because the E is backward with the right hand. I just let her think that I knew all about how the brain works. I did not know that this was helping to build the brain, but if that's happening, that's a wonderful thing also. If a child or a, a learner of any age occasionally uh, uses the right hand, it's okay. As long as they're not looking at that letter E and creating it backward in their mind. If they're just signing, I let it go. Again, I frequently reference children. When I conduct workshops in a school district, I invite my contact person to bring in some struggling readers from their own district. Often these struggling readers are kindergartners, first graders. Sometimes they are adults. And I conduct a workshop and use those children or those individuals for a demonstration. 99% um, of the time it has worked with at least one of the two or three individuals who have joined us. One young man was uh, 18 years old. He had had a brush with the law. Someone asked, could I call him and bring him in? So I readily said, yes, please do. In walked this uh, very handsome young man, uh, as I said, who had recently had a brush with the law. I taught him how to read some words and he began to cry. And he said, I always knew I could do this. I just did not know how to begin. So that was a highlight. But obviously, I enjoy working with kindergartners, first graders as well. In fact, one year, three little first graders were brought in for my demonstration. I looked at the three little boys and I said, you all must be wonderful helpers. You were chosen to be my helpers today. You must be great helpers. One looked me square in the eyes and said, I'm not. And then he proved it. But that's okay. We demonstrate with children how the strategy can work really fast. Let me add um, that because these signs are made with the left hand and because typically individuals sign American Sign Language signs with either 
I'm sorry, these signs are made with the left hand. American Sign Language signs are typically signed with the right hand or both. Um, we, we explain to children this difference and we also say American Sign Language signs are for talking to other people. These signs are for talking to yourself. And again, I've never heard of this creating a problem. Uh, Cheryl's question is, has this method been helpful or successful with those who are diagnosed with dyslexia? Cheryl, I will mail you your $5 tomorrow for that great question. Uh, it has. Um, let me start by saying not just dyslexia, but uh, also many other um, symptoms. One year, one day, a 12-year-old was brought in for my demonstration. He, he did well. I thought it was going slowly, but he did well and he seemed happy. When he left, his teachers who were in the room stood up, applauded. Some of them were crying. They said that this young man um, had autism. And they said typically he would focus for two or three minutes, five at the most. He had focused for 20 minutes. I had no idea that focusing was a major challenge for him. So it helped with this young man. With dyslexia, now this is really exciting. I have literally tutored one child at a time in the state of Indiana when physicians who know about my strategy have called and ask me to tutor young children. They have, some of them have said to me that after the session, some of the signs of dyslexia have disappeared. Now, I obviously cannot definitively say that this strategy cured them, but what we can say is that some of the signs can help to differentiate for them um, the direction of letters and can, in the physician's words, rewire the brain. In just a minute, I might make you dizzy by skipping down to the letter B so that I can illustrate what we're talking about. But first, um, Diane's asking, how does this apply to multiple syllable words that older struggling students need? Why don't we move ahead, glancing at how we would sign the letter uh, S, and then how we would talk about double vowels, and sign the word C. The letter T is signed by just imagining that we're crossing t the T. Um, short E I talked about earlier. So the word met would be signed met. Okay, now I'll answer Cheryl's question in more detail and then we'll move to Diana's. Cheryl, uh, who asked about dyslexia, the letter B, as you and I know, is often reversed by students with dyslexia. The sign for the letter B is a straight line because in the letter B, the straight line comes first and the complete sign is I do not teach the letter B first. I, um, I start with the student wherever he or she is. Uh, I would not start with the letter B because I want the students to be accustomed to signing with their left hands before we sign the letter B. 
I'm going to go back to that one because it is critical that the student is using the, le the left hand to sign the letter B. Bah, bah, bah. If the letter B is signed with the right hand, then it is not facing the proper direction. But to very uh, hurriedly answer your question, Cheryl, this is one of the reasons that the, the strategy does uh, help students with dyslexia. Uh, the letter D is signed with a circle because the circle comes first. By the way, this strategy transfers almost immediately into writing. And I have watched children sign, some of them sign behind their backs because after the first few sessions, it isn't necessary for them to sign in big letters. The letter S, for example, doesn't have to be signed like this. They will simply sign in very small letters. They drop the signs very, very quickly. And this is a good thing because we would not want a student to be six years old, 16 years old, learning to drive and have to sign stop. That would not be good. They drop the signs as long as they no longer need them. Um, Cheryl, I hope this begins to answer your questions. We could go on in much more detail. So back to Diana's question. Um, we won't stop for the test. I will move on now to uh, a word or some words with more than one syllable. This one has only one syllable, but it moves us into the multisyllabic words. The sign for SH is SH. That's an easy one. We practice it on the way to the dining room, by the way. The sign for IR is er. And you know, I was concerned about some of the diphthongs, digraphs, but as it turns out, these are some of the favorite signs. Students enjoy er. So they start looking for the chunks. And this is a skill that we, we try to teach. We try to teach readers, learners, to look at the whole word before they try to um, say the word. So because the er and some of the other uh, chunks are more fun to sign, then that encourages them to actually look for some of these chunks. And of course, as we said, the sign for IR is er. Now, we have learned the sign for SH, IR, er and T, T. So, if we were to blend these signs together, we would sign SHIRT. And that, uh, as you can see, is a five-letter word. Now, let's move to a word with multisyllables. I will teach you the sign for O, W. There's the O and there's the W. And if I shake my hand and say, OW, then I am signing OW. And these signs, by the way, can help individuals to hear the sounds more clearly. I was teaching some secondary students in China the signs. I wrote the word S-H-O-W-E-R on the board. I asked them if they knew the word and they said, sure. I said, okay, good, tell me the word. And they said, sure. So I taught them to sign the word, and they said very clearly the word shower. In fact, they left with a southern accent. But the strategies can, the signs can actually help them to hear individual sounds more clearly. 
So, getting back to the OW, we would sign Cal Al. Now, I would teach that ER makes the same sound as IR, and the sign is the same. Er. So, if we looked at this word, we would see SH. Shh. We would see OW. Ow. And we would see er. We blend these together to read the word shower. Um, Diane, we could do the same with some more sophisticated words. Um, in fact, we'll do this in just a second. And by the way, let me say that the strategies, the skills that we have always used in the past, we would continue to use. We teach readers that we start on the left and we move to the right when we're reading a word. We teach this without the signs. So we continue to teach this skill with the signs. This doesn't change anything else that we're doing as we teach. Tower would be signed tower. And frequently, by the way, when I conduct an all-day workshop and kindergartners or first graders are brought in and the participants know that these are children who are really wanting to learn to read but just need another strategy, I often take them to the point of being able to read words such as shower and tower and I have them, I give them the responsibility of looking at the word and telling me what they see in the word. Because this strategy does enable us to give, to turn the work over to them. We know that there are children who do not have uh, a lot of in adults or individuals who can read at home who have adequate time to help them. So they always have their left hand. Most of them can always use their left hand and this enables them to uh, become more independent readers. So the sign for ER once again is er and we have just taught I-R-E-R-U-R -E and sometimes this it takes a great deal of time ordinarily to teach our controlled vowels. The sign for SH we're going through an example with U-R is simply making the C shape and signing ch. ch. The sign C-H-U-R-C-H would be signed and most readers, most beginning readers at that point can tell us that this word is church. Again, after I teach the signs for the diphthongs, digraphs, I start asking them, now you tell me what you see in this word because I want them to become independent readers. I have, let me please go back to the discussion of working with adults. I worked in West Virginia many times with the adult education program. They were using the Laubach program and Dr. Laubach actually attended one of my sessions which was another highlight and he readily endorsed the strategy not as a program. He has the Laubach program. This is a strategy to use with his and other programs. Um, when uh, um, I conducted one of the workshops, a grandmother was brought in and this grandmother was struggling to learn to read. When I taught her the signs, she also began to cry and she said, now I can read to my grandchildren. So she was really excited. 
I skipped many slides, um, but we are now at T-I-O-N. I wanted to include this sign because, uh, teach this, this again, getting back to Diane's point, Diane's question, helps us to teach some very sophisticated words to older students. And when I work with older students, I start with them where they are. I don't start with the word me because they know how to read me. I don't want to insult them. I start with a word that is at that zone of proximal development, uh, a word that they can almost read independently, but not quite. They need just a little bit of help. So the sign for T-I-O-M, the first letter we see in this chunk is T. So we are poised to sign T, but then we realize this is a chunk, and when T, I, O, and N get together, the sound they actually make is sh, shun. And once individuals can read T, I, O, N, then they can easily read words such as mm, and long O, by the way, is O, shun. So this enables an individual to teach highly sophisticated words. Um, how does this apply to multi-syllable words? Okay, I was thinking I had another question pop up, but I think I did not. So because I skipped a number of the slides, we are very, very close to some of my last slides. Um, this is an example of some of the more sophisticated words that individuals can read. In fact, when I was still teaching at the university and working with the grant money, often middle graders were brought into me. I tutored them, sometimes for one or two sessions. And once they caught on to what decoding and reading were all about, that was all they needed. They just needed practice. So some literally graduated from my program after a couple of hours. And I would start with words similar to those that we see on the screen. Uh, Cheryl, have there been any follow-up studies to identify the effect of this process on spelling? Great question. First of all, uh, before we go to spelling, please, if, if you're interested in the strategy at all, please go to either to the AHA Process website or to the Indiana University website and find the uh, research study for Tucker Signing Strategies. Uh, the Indiana University conducted two national studies and we pre- and post-tested students. What we discovered was that it worked with all students, but particularly struggling students, especially boys. And it's not surprising to know that often boys just need more activity, more movement. And as a new teacher, I once thought that movement for boys meant turning cartwheels but it really doesn't have to be that dramatic. They can simply sign, uh, ah, and that is the movement that they need. Um, now, in terms of spelling, uh, Cheryl, un unfortunately, we have not studied the effect of the strategy on spelling. We have many anecdotal references by teachers. I have witnessed students being able to suddenly spell uh, a word that they just signed. In fact, when I conduct workshops, um, 
frequently, most of the time, after a child has read two, three, five words that they could not have read an hour ago, I will give that reader a marker and say, now I would like for you to spell the word station or location or mercury or a word that they had not been able to read fairly recently. In other words, sure, I have seen it work. Other teachers have seen it help with spelling, but our studies, our national studies, did not move into that area. Again, we will not try to cover all of the signs. There is a sign for TH during our workshop. We talk about the breathed versus the um, guttural th sound and we talk about how to sign how we would sign uh, each of these uh, there is a sign for aw which is all and what i say to students is pretend you're holding a basketball and you throw the ball and you miss the hoop and you say oh um, i don't use many stories because I don't want the reader to have to think about a story in order to recall the associated sound. But I just felt that for awe, it might be a good idea to have uh, a basketball type story to illustrate that particular sign. This word could be read by readers of any age. And again, getting back to the question about dyslexia, once a student has learned the sign for AW, the student will more than likely be able to read the word saw rather than reversing it and reading was, which is what some students with signs of dyslexia uh, are tempted to do. So it helps not only at the uh, letter or chunk level, but at the entire word level also. I'm looking to see if we have another question. We do not at this point, so let me please very quickly just talk about one of my favorite signs, the sign for the letter Y. We know that the letter Y represents a number of sounds. When Y is at the end of a multi-syllable word, the sound that it represents often is E. It often sounds like an E. And again, readers of all ages laugh and laugh at that. So the word mercury, for example, if you were my fifth grader, I would write the word mercury and ask you to tell me, what signs do you see? What, what do you see in this word? Often, students will not see the M first because the M is less fun to sign than er. They'll say er. I'll say, great. How do you spell it? They'll say E-R. What else do you say? Er. How do you spell it? U-R. And by the way, I will sometimes say, now if you're trying to remember how to spell this word, and this is getting back to Cheryl's question, when you see E-R, you could sign er with an E shape. Er. When you see I-R, you can sign I-R with an I shape. Er. And when you see U-R, you can sign this with a U shape. Er. And this can help them to remember how to uh, spell the, the chunks, the diphthongs, the digraphs. And then finally, Y at the end of a multisyllable word sounds like E. So this word would be signed 
Mer, Ker, E. Again, most six-year-olds with a little practice would be able to sign and read this word at this point. This is why we uh, talk about the strategy being a fast and fun approach. I mentioned earlier the fact that all of those skills that we normally teach without the signs, we still teach with the signs. We still talk, and that line has slipped to the right for some reason, but we still talk about double vowels and the fact that when we have a double vowel, we typically hear the sound of the first letter. I don't see any new questions, so with your permission, I would like to talk just a little bit about the letter C. I have shown you that we've, the sign for the letter C is k. Sounds like scissors cutting. Students can remember that very easily. Okay? At first, I did not have a sign for soft C. I thought if I ignored it, it would go away, but it didn't. Some children at Happy Homeschool North Carolina, and that is a school, not a nursing home, but children at Happy Homeschool called and said, we made up a sign for soft C. They said scissors can cut, but scissors can also slice. I thought that was brilliant. And young readers rarely ask, How, uh, could you please teach me the rule for hard and soft C? But they were frequently asked, how do I know when the scissors will cut and when they will slice? And they're asking for the rule for hard and soft C. So I teach them that when the letter C is followed by E, I, or Y, it's usually soft. They'll say, okay, thank you. And they're happy. I was sitting in the back of a classroom on the Menominee Reservation in Wisconsin a number of years ago. The teacher wrote the name of the brand new month on the board. And she simply said, this is December. And she pointed to the letters as she pronounced December. A little fellow in the back of the room's hand shot up and he said, December. That's a soft C. And of course, we were all thrilled that the students were able to carry this over into a, a, a new situation. So that is, this is getting back to um, Cheryl's question about the spelling. Yes, it does carry over. It carries over into writing. It carries over into spelling and other aspects of reading. My goal was to complete my part of the discussion by 20 till or the latest quarter till and then to have a question and answer session. So I will do that now, but let me uh, very quickly, you said uh, students love the sign for long. Oh, oh, they stretch their arm out and the sign is ooh. So I saved that one for Halloween. Okay, we have a sign for short. Oh, oh, and we talk about the why and the how. I, I do want to say very, very quickly that we make it very clear to students that not all words follow the rules. So there are some words that we cannot sign or we do not sign. Laugh, for example. The only letter in that whole word that follows the rules is the letter L. So we simply don't sign it. 
A woman at the University of Virginia studied my strategy and for her dissertation discovered or ascertained that um, without the signs, we can decode phonetically 66% of the words in our language. With the signs, we can decode 88% of the words in the English language. Now, that's not perfect, but it is a step up, and we, we can decode more words with the signs than we can decode without it. When a word has the tricky part, we point out the tricky part ahead of time. Students, P-H-O-N-E has a tricky part. The P and the H together in this word sound like the letter F. So when I point to PH, you will sign phone. And by the way, you see an E at the end of this word. We talk about silent E. Here's my E. Sometimes it's silent. This doesn't teach the silent E rule, but it makes the rule a little more fun for us to talk about. Again, this, the key concepts, the strategy is fast and fun. Um, it is not every day that we see individuals, especially kindergartners or first graders, laughing over silent E or laughing over vowel sounds. But with the strategy, they do. And uh, that makes it all worthwhile. Um, I see that someone is typing. We have Robin typing. So I will now open this up for questions, observations, concerns. Um, I Again, I see a thank you from Cheryl. Cheryl, you are very welcome. Um, I'm seeing several things. Okay, where do we find and get the system? There is a manual, and the manual has not only every sign, but there are, are vowel rules that we can include. There, is, there are tapes, one called uh, Just for Kids, which some teachers will put into their computers and let individual students take a look at them during center time. And then the apps are online for an incredibly inexpensive amount. I think it's about $5 for which the apps are available. Um, Robin asked a great question. Should we teach the long vowels first or the short vowels? Um, Robin, that's a great question. And the, the answer is whatever works for you. I typically, when I was tutoring students, um, I did not try to follow the reading books or the spelling books. I followed what felt right for me. And it worked for me to teach the long vowels first uh, to sign words such as me. However, I just as easily could have started with short E and signed met. That would have worked just as well. So when I conduct workshops, I try to uh, say several times during the workshop that the order, the sequence is totally up to the individual teacher. The pacing is up to the individual teacher. Some teachers are really, really lucky in that um, they are free to uh, move as quickly as they can move and as quickly as their students can move. And some of these teachers, even kindergarten teachers, start in September and by winter break they have covered all of the signs. 
others um, have different rules and they teach at the same sequence as the reading book. I personally love to hear individuals say, you choose your pace, you choose your sequence. Uh, that makes it more fun for us as educators and more fun for the students as well. So uh, um, what I like to say sometimes is, um, you know, these are signs, I just made them up. So you can modify them, you can add to them, you can make them your own. But I think again, the key words are fast and fun. So, and then I think our time will almost be up. I always, when I can conduct or when I complete a webinar, I get offline and think I talked way too fast. So my apologies for talking so fast, but uh, I get really excited about talking about this signing strategy because I know it works. I, I have, uh, while Robin is typing, I do want to tell about a young man who was 22 years old and he was basically a non-reader. And again, this was while I was still at the university. I had the honor of tutoring him. We started in September. By the winter break, he could read almost any phonetically spelled word that I wrote for him. And that was an extremely rewarding experience. Robin says, you are always, oh, so delightful. Um, thank you, Robin. Um, without you, I could not have done any of this. So I do appreciate that. And Melinda is typing. Um, I'm left-handed, and I have taken many ASL classes. I've learned a lot from your strat. Oh, that makes my day. And Melinda, I'm glad you mentioned being left-handed. On occasion, teachers are concerned about the left-handed students. Will they cross hemispheres? Will they build synapses? I really don't know enough about the brain research to know whether and what's going on inside of their brains, but I do know that it works. Uh, the only disadvantage to our left-handed student is that when we give them the marker to write a word, they of course write, have to write with the left hand, so they start to sign with the right hand. That's really not an issue in my mind. Again, as long as they're not looking at that E backward, it is not harming them in any way to sign with the right hand. Okay. Um, Robin says, I'm left-handed too. My three-year-old granddaughter uses both hands. I envy her. I'm excited to try these strategies with her. Robin and others, please, as you try the strategy, you, you will become the expert, and I could learn so much from you. So David has given you our contact information. I would love to hear from you. I, I love to hear about when this works, and I love to know when it doesn't work, why you think it wasn't a good match. It's not a match for everybody. Nothing works with everybody. But I can say that this strategy has worked with 99 out of 100 children I've tutored or, or individuals. Um, I was taught by many right-handed instructors that had no problem switching the signs in my mind and signing left-handed. That's good to know. That's great. So even if the right-handed instructor is showing the sign in a manner that would be backward, we can reverse it in our heads. That's really good to know. A comment. I know this program works. This is from Robin, my former student teacher. She says, I have been using it since I left Averett where I was taught by Dr. Tucker. Robin, could I say I learn more from you than you would ever learn from me? 
again, I would love to hear from you. Thanks, Bethany. Bye-bye.